welcome to another episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope to enlighten and inspire you each week with a new message from God brought to you by Pastor Dale Walker and other special guests. You can follow along with today's sermon in the Bible app or by visiting our website at hftw.church. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you find your favorite podcast. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm excited to share the word today. If you look in your sermon outline, you'll see we're talking about unleashing the power of connection. And today we're talking about how to make a divine connection on God's behalf with other people. And I I just want to share with you something I believe so deeply, and that is that God has a plan to make divine connections with you and other people for his glory. That he has divine appointments. I don't believe God has divine appointments for you. Times where he'll connect you with people for things that are beyond what you could imagine. I love to tell the story about how my wife Sharon and I first met. You talk about a divine connection. (laughs) I was uh, leading a group of people to go on a hike in El Paso on Trans Mountain Road. And I had the assignment to give people a ride. Only one person signed up for a ride. Her name was Sharon Fox. Anyhow... (laughs) So I remember picking her up. She sat so far away from me and against the door, I thought she was going to fall out. But uh, we got up there and, and didn't know her at all. And, and, and I'm hiking, leading the way, and, and I trip, and I go falling down this mountain, <laughs> landing on a cactus. I'm laying there. But the first person I see when I open my eyes is Sharon. <laughs> and I'll never forget, she comes over later that afternoon with flowers and in a card, and I looked there, and I said, this is who I want to spend the rest of my life with, you know. Well, that was a divine connection. Hallelujah. Now, I thought I'd share that because of love before marriage. Somebody might need to have that this week or so. But beyond that, what I really want to talk about is those times where God lets us in some way connect with people who, who need God's love and who experience through simple things that we say or give a a change that only God could produce because we were willing to connect. We have been sharing for the last four weeks on on the idea, especially about how we connect in God's family, how we connect in Christ. Today, I want to talk about how we connect with others for Christ how we connect with people outside of God's family. How many know there's people out there who need God? And, and God has given us this privilege to build bridges that he can walk through into people's lives. Let's read this verse in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling. That means bringing people back, helping people reconnect with God. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Isn't isn't that amazing? God was in Christ. God is not going out there punishing, telling people they're no good. He has already reconciled them, but they just don't know yet what he's done. And he has given us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. Can you tell someone next to you, you're an ambassador. (laughs) 
God is making his appeal through us, and we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Somebody say, come back to God. Can you hear the Lord's heart in that? Can you hear the Lord every day shouting out to people in Las Cruces, come back to me. Please come back to me. I love you so much. But the deal is we're his mouthpiece. We're his love letter. We're his bridge. This is something so deep. Many of us, you know, we think, well, being a Christian is having a good life. Yes, it is. But it's more than that. It's being a part of his mission. <laughs> it's not just that, hey, I get to be a mom. No, you're also a missionary mom. I get to be a student. No, you're also a student for Jesus Christ. You're not just a doctor. You're a difference maker for God. When you become a part of his, of his family, you become a part of his mission. I, I love this story. I heard a, a fellow by the name of Dino Rizzo, who is the founder of uh, Healing Place Church. He, uh, he was telling about when he was dating his uh, future wife, Delyn, and and he knew she was the one, but and she wanted, he wanted to ask her to marry him, but she, he couldn't afford a ring. <laughs> and so he remembers going to his dad, who was pretty tight with money and everything, but he, he goes to his dad. He says, Dad, I met this girl. He shows a picture he tells about. It. He says, the only problem is, you know, I don't have the money to uh, buy the ring, and I don't know how long it's going to take. And his dad walks into the other room and comes back with an envelope envelope full of cash and says, he said, son, you better get a ring, get the biggest diamond you can. Don't let that girl get away. <laughs> Don't let her get away. You know, I just feel like every day the Lord shows us people. He says, Don't let that one get away. That, that person is so incredible. Don't, don't let them just go on not having a clue what they were meant to be. Don't let them get away. Show them my love. What I, what I find as Christians, we've been talking about the danger of being isolated, but I found out it's just the same danger, not only to be isolated, but to be what I call insulated. We know how dangerous it is to be separate from the body of Christ, but, you know, many times we can be Christians, but we're so busy in our world, we don't even see the world out there. We're, we're just, it's, you know, it's us four and no more, Acts 2-4. We're just kind of, whoa, I got this thing going. I got my friends. I'm with God. I got stuff to do. Yeah, but Jesus is saying, open your eyes. There's a harvest. Yeah, but, but I'm just too, too busy. And he's saying, I want you to do something for me, connect for me, not just with me and not just with one another. What I have learned about connection is that connections are the keys to spiritual resurrections. When we connect with people in Jesus' name and show them his love, he shows up. I like to say it this way. When we touch a heart, he takes a hand, you know. I have been amazed. I've been hearing story after story recently of just ways that people simply connected with somebody in the name of Jesus, and the next thing you know, their whole life was changed. 
I was just, uh, I, I don't know if Andrea is here, but I just love Andrea's story. There's Andrea. You know, she's going through a hard time in the pandemic and she sees that Hartford World's having a free car wash. She drives up. The youth are doing an outreach. They give her a little rock with an orange cross on it and they pray for her. She gets a free car and something touches her so much that she calls the office. The next thing you know, she's at church. She has her whole life encountered with Jesus. She's, she becomes a new creature today. She's such an apostle for Jesus. She's a missionary to the nursing homes throughout the state of Mexico. Hallelujah. And it's just like, it was just such a little, kind of, I mean, how can God take a little orange rock and turn it into a resurrection? That's just what he does. And I was hearing again, my friend, Russ Yeager, many of you know Sue's husband, Russ, and just talking about 50 years ago in the Woodstock era, he was just a hippie, hitch hiking around ends up in Galveston, Texas, doesn't have a place to say, just, you know, smoking weed, living on the beach, has no plan for his life. And this church decides to do an outreach and starts bringing food to people living on the beach. They just bring nice hot meals. Pretty soon, they start talking to these guys. He starts listening. And before you know it, he receives Jesus in his life. And, and, What's so amazing is I think his life was so changed. And for 50 years, what, what God has used that man for, he, and, and God has used Sue for, what, it all started. Somebody just made a meal in Jesus' name. They made a connection. They built a bridge, and God brought a blessing. I'm telling you, this isn't complicated. You build a bridge, and God will do a breakthrough. Now, this bridge, I call it connecting in God's love, is so important. I believe that most people, before they can hear God's truth, they need to see his love. How many know today, more than ever, a lot of people have a sour taste towards religion? Maybe more than ever before, when you say, I'm a Christian, in this environment, people are like, whoa, don't need none of that. I, uh, I had a funny experience that I was, got the privilege of, of doing a funeral this week. And afterwards, I'm just mingling with some people. And I meet this couple and they say, hey, I want to I tell you something, preacher. You did, a, you did a good job. They said, you got to know something. I am so leery of preachers. I know your kind. I go, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, you like condemn people. You're like, just for money, whatever. You know, so I, so I was really, but I said, you know what? You were different. You actually smiled. I felt love. I said, Whew, merely made the mark there. Whoa. But it just reminded me that a lot of people, unless they see God's love, they won't hear God's truth. They will put a wall up. They will just, not listening to that. I, I don't want any of that. I believe that you have to touch a heart before you take a hand. What does that mean? One way I see it is that people's hearts are like a, a safe. You know what I mean? That you have important documents or something like that. One of the things I enjoy seeing is people who are safe crackers. You know those people who can figure out a combination? And it's just really cool. They have all these instruments and stuff, and they, they listen and... <laughs> 
Did you know God wants us to be safe crackers? Because people have these hard shells. They have, they have treasure inside of them, but they have cages that they've built, defenses that they've built to God. I believe that every human being has a spark of the divine, of his de- a desire for the divine inside of them. Somewhere, even the, the atheist wishes there was a God. But they've had things happen, and they have these beliefs, and they shut those doors. Uh, John G. Lake wrote, Inside the heart, crushed by the tempter, disillusioned by religion, are cords that grace can restore. Awakened by acts of kindness, resurrected by love, cords that were broken will come alive once more. What is it that, what is the code to someone's heart? Can I give it to you? K-I-N-D-N-E-S-S, kindness. Look at this verse in Romans 2.4. I love this verse. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and restraint and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Isn't that powerful? It's when people see the kindness of God that it unlocks the safe and opens them. We see this in Jesus. Jesus is the master safe cracker. <laughs> One of my favorite descriptions of Jesus, he was called the friend of sinners. Isn't that amazing? The most holy man who ever lived. Who's Jesus? Oh, you know, those crazy people, those awful people, those addicted people, those criminals. He's the friend of all of them. There was something about Jesus that he he did not come with a megaphone. You're all going to hell. He came and he walked with people. He heard them. He, He led with compassion. How many know compassion is different than pity? There's a lot of pity today. Oh, you poor thing. Hope it gets better. No, compassion is you don't just say, I'm sorry. You get down in the suck with people. You get down in the muck. You get down in the mess. If they're lepers, nobody would touch them, but Jesus hugged them. And what I just love about Jesus, what he wants to teach us, he says, he is, he is the one that we are to live like. And what I love to tell people out there on the streets or wherever, hey, if you're broken, if, if you're, can I tell you something? If you're addicted, if you're, if you're far from God and you've lost your purpose, can I tell you about Jesus, who he is? He is your best friend. He is the one who will fight for you more than anyone's ever fought for you. And I tell people, hey, if you're out there broken, don't try to fix your brokenness. You don't need a little more therapy. You don't need a little religion. You need a lot of Jesus. And if you get enough Jesus, how many know if you get enough Jesus, you're going to be okay. You just need more of Jesus. That's our message to the world. You just need Jesus. Because he knows how to heal those things. And so I want to just take one example of how Jesus 
touched a heart. How Jesus connected, how Jesus built a bridge so that God could bring a breakthrough. In Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. This is Peter. This is the story of of Simon Peter's conversion. And he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. I guess that was some good sound thing. You know, you can get back there and the water helps the sound. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, so much that their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. The King James says, From now on, you will be fishers of men. That's what we're talking about today. How do you become a fisher of men? And and what I want you to see is some principle. Number one, Jesus got into their boat. Somebody say, you got to get in their boat. (laughs) I I love this, that Jesus stepped into their world. Uh, One of my favorite names for Jesus is Emmanuel. He's not God above us. He is God with us. He is God in our muck. He got right there in their boat. Until we can get out of our story. Can I tell you how you build a bridge? You decide, I'm going to be with someone for one reason, to add value to their life, not for my agenda, not for something I can get. I'm going to intentionally be with someone and be a part of their world to help them feel value. And Jesus goes in there, I think a couple things that are so, so significant. Number one, he, he was teaching us how to fish. Can I just say this? I, I've, I love fishing. I fished all my life. Can I tell you what's never happened? I've never had a fish come to my door and say, here I am, cook me. No, the fish don't come to you. You got to go to the fish. You got to go to where the people are. You've got to go be part of their world. Number two, he got into their world and he knew what they loved. They loved fish. (laughs) He talked fish. Now see, Jesus was a carpenter, but he didn't talk. Hey, can I tell you about this awesome door I just made? He said, how's fishing? He was willing to connect with what they understood in 1 Corinthians 9.22, Paul says, To the weak I became weak, and 
I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. I had this weird question because I took some grandkids a while back to Legoland. It was awesome. Unless you have to sit there for an entire day (laughs) and watch kids build Legos. And this thought came to my mind. Would I be willing to be with kids that weren't my grandkids and spend a whole day of my life watching them build Legos so I could be part of their world. I love in our Wednesday night, we have our grandparent club. There's some, some heroes could shout out to us that they take care of the kids, you know? And it's so funny to watch us try to relate to five-year-olds and seven-year-olds. <laughs> but they have laid aside everything to be a part of their world. And yes, last Wednesday, one just came up and said, I love you so much. See, that's what Jesus did, and that's what Jesus does through people. Right alongside of that, Jesus left his comfort zone. Can I just tell you something? Every every divine appointment I've ever had with people was outside of my schedule. (laughs) It was, it was beyond my comfort zone. It was, it was beyond where I felt like I wanted to be at that second. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit nudge you to go serve somebody? Can I tell you about every one of those opportunities? I, I, I didn't know what I was going to say. I didn't have enough money to pay for what I was about to offer. I didn't have enough time to do this. And I think... It's because God doesn't want us to rely on ourselves. He wants us to depend on his power. Can I tell you, do you want to make a difference in the world? You're going to hear the Holy Spirit say, I am now interrupting your presently scheduled program. (laughs) Take that agenda and throw it away. Son, daughter, we got a mission. Cancel everything else. Yeah, but I got to work. No, 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 no. You got God's work. Wow. And I could tell you story after story. I always believe that divine appointments require a step of faith, and I call faith. Faith is walking to the edge of your fear zone and then jumping. <laughs> you feel awkward. How many times I've gone to someone, I can't go up to them at McDonald's and just care about, this feels weird, yeah. But it could change their life. I want you to take care. Just want you just to help them with their rent this month. God, I didn't budget for that. It's always something that you'll say, I don't have enough. But then God will say, I am enough. And I want you to know the divine, I'll just give you one story. I could tell so many, but I was just hearing Tim Tebow. Many of you know Tim Tebow, the, just an amazing football player, but amazing man of God. And he has this ministry. And, and part of his ministry right now, the Tim Tebow Foundation, is helping thousands of people who are victims of, slave, of sex trafficking around the world uh, get out of that slavery and he, and he shared in this testimony how that got started. 
He said it was all his dad. His dad is a missionary, and he was doing a pastor's seminar in this underground church in a country where you're not allowed to preach the gospel. And there were all these pastors, and they were having a three-day conference, and he was, he was teaching them. All of a sudden, this guy walks in with four young girls, and he shows up. He doesn't know what this is, but he showed up to sell the girls. And here, you know, Mr. Chivo's, he doesn't know what to do. And, and, he's, and, he, and he, he, he's got to leave, you know, the next day, but he's so mad. And his heart is so broken and he's so confused. The only thing he knows to do is he goes and he talks and, he, and nobody else wanted to help. And he ends up asking how much they would cost. And it turned out to be almost every penny he had. And he buys the four girls so he could set them free. Now what am I going to do? So he calls his son, Tim. He says, hey, Tim, I just bought four girls. What? You know? <laughs> he says, oh, let me explain. I couldn't just let them. And one of the girls had her eye. Her parents had literally boiled her eye out and sold her because they were mad at her. And after hearing their stories, how their fathers had raped them and how they were sold in every case by their own family, he couldn't stand it. So Tim literally gets on a plane. They go and they start figuring this out and build safe houses. He said, I never in a million years thought I was doing this. But he said, I had to do something. That's how God appointments happen. And you don't know what you're going to do, but say, we're going to figure it out as we go. How do we, how do we afford it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But God just said, Walk. Do this. Number three, just meet practical needs. You know, serving people is the strategy of Jesus for reaching people. These guys needed some fish. They didn't catch any fish the night before. In those days, life is hand to mouth. If you don't get any fish, you're not going to eat that day. And, and, and guess what? Jesus didn't preach them a sermon on eschatology. He said, throw your nets on the other side. Remember when we started Heartful World? This is what the Lord told us. This is the strategy. You're going to change this city by serving one person at a time. And, and I loved it, and I, I treasure those days. I had an incredible partner, friend named Alfred Garcia. And when we were starting, here was the strategy. Who are we going to serve today? <laughs> okay, let's go on the streets and pray for homeless people. I remember we'd go burritos to, to the farms where the, where the migrant workers are. Let's go have a burrito party. Let's, someone needed their yard cleaned up today. It wasn't complicated. But when you touch someone, when you touch their heart, I can't tell you how many times God brought salvation. People started coming to the church. It was, it was really fun at first because when you're starting a church, there's not much else to do but just go serve people. Today, we call it love lost cruces to life. <laughs> and our dream here is hundreds of dream teams going out and it's amazing what God does when you just go and sit with someone who's lonely or cut their grass. 
God does things. Can I just tell you where Heart for the World's going? We're just trying to get Jesus out there where people need him. Even in our life groups, we're trying to put the life groups in the neighborhoods, in the Starbucks. One of the things we're starting is what we call hobby and interest groups. Maybe someone here will do that. Uh, last year, Thomas had a Dallas Cowboy party small group at his house. Let's cook burgers and watch the Cowboys. Some of you, that would be hell for you. But others of you, <laughs> that would be incredible. Now, here's the point. How many know somebody that would not come to this church, but they would go watch the Dallas Cowboys and eat hamburgers? See, we can't wait for them to come to us. We have to go to them. And we have to speak the language of their hurts, their hearts. Here's the formula. Find a hurt and heal it. Find a need and fill it. And then watch what Jesus does. It, it, is, it is so amazing what this does. I, I know one brother was telling their church was out just cutting lawns. And they found this, this gentleman. He was an elderly Jewish man. And they saw his yard was just a mess. So they walk up to him and they said, sir, can we, can we cut your grass? They said, yeah, of course. Wow. They cut it. I mean, they trim it. It's just, they just pristine. It was just a mess of weeds. They pulled weeds and after they finished it all, he says, hey, why did you guys do this? Because they wouldn't take any money for it. And then the guy says, oh, we did it because of Jesus. Because Jesus loves you. And we thought this might be the best way to tell you <laughs> that Jesus loves you. And this elderly Jewish man kind of looks and he says, hmm, a Jesus that cuts lawns. I might could believe in a Jesus like that. It's what we do in missions. It's why I hope some of you will go to Acuna. We're going to the schools and bless the children with school supplies. We're just going to the streets. We're giving a party for kids. We're just helping widows. And then God comes. We call it sowing a seed. Can I tell you one of the most important things he tells us? You haven't been called to save souls. You've been called to sow seeds. You haven't been called to change and fix people's lives. You've been called to bring a seed of kindness and grace. I love this verse in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, if we could show that verse. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. You know, what, what is it that the Lord wants you to do? You can't meet all the needs of Las Cruces, but you could plant a seed for somebody. These words from Andy Stanley touched me deeply many years ago. He said, he said do for one person what you wish you could do for everybody. And I kind of made that my motto every week. I'm gonna do for one, I can't, be at a nursing home all day with a lonely person every day, but I could go for two hours with one person this week. So you, you do what you can, and then God does what he can. Building bridges, he describes it as sowing and watering. 
It is, it is a simple act of giving. Uh, you know, it, it's finding what you can do. I know a brother who, he does this all the time. He, he's at a tip evangelism or whatever. He buys a $1 Sonic or $2, however many they are, $3 now probably. And then he gives a $20 tip. How many know that's going to speak to a single mom trying to make it through the week a lot more than preaching a sermon to them? And it'll always just say, hey, this is for you because Jesus thinks you're worth it. I love you. I'll pray for you. Boom. You know, the, the way this works is if I could tell you how you change the world, it takes one, it, it's, it's like 98% sowing and watering and then 2% harvesting. A couple of weeks ago, we had peaches on our peach tree and uh, we had some incredible peaches for two weeks. Now they're all gone. And I was thinking, man, for 49 weeks, I watered you tree. <laughs> I pruned you. Two weeks. And I was reminded that's how the kingdom of God works. You just love, you just serve, you just water. And one day, an Andrea shows up in your parking lot and you get to harvest. But it doesn't just happen. Here's the other great thing about seeds. When you touch that person, every person in their life becomes touched by that touch. Did you notice in this story that as soon as Jesus miraculously fills their boat, they call for their partners and their boat gets filled too. If you touch one person, you touch everyone in their sphere. If you bring hope to one person, if you, if you let those kids feel hope, then their parents are going to get some hope. And you can start a chain reaction. When we talk about a love illusion, we're talking about not going around and shouting more. Quit being so divided, everybody. Quit hating. <laughs> no, we're talking about in the middle of division and hating, Sowing seeds of kindness. I, I, I love to tell the story about one of the most powerful events I ever saw through my wife, Sharon. We had this neighbor named Mr. Bob, and uh, he was a gruff old guy, man. Bitter. The whole deal. And worst of all, he hated cats. And uh, we had this cat named Frosty, and uh, Sharon loved the cat. One day, we found out that Frosty got trapped in Mr. Bob's cat trap and taken to the pound. Cat prison. <laughs> and you know how sweet Sharon is, but I have never seen her so mad. She was using every Christian cuss word in the book. I don't know what they were. Ooh, dang, dang, ooh, She's just pacing the floor. And I go, and, you know, to be serious, I'm, I wasn't feeling that much grief. But anyhow. <laughs> and uh, I get home, and when I get home, I see all these brownies she's made. I said, oh, are these for me? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, who are they for? They're for Mr. Bob. Okay. God told me this is how the warfare works. <laughs> I'm to forgive him, and I'm to go and love him. And she walks across the street, 
I tell you, I'm loving this. He said, Mr. Bob, he looks at her. He's like freaked out. He says, I am so sorry that my cat messed up your yard. And I just want you to know that we care about you. And I just wanted to make these brownies for you. And he's like, oh, uh, oh. And then I got to share with him and came back the next day. Two things happened. One, this was amazing. He went to the pound and brought the cat home. (laughs) And number two, I got to share Jesus with him. And he accepted Christ into his life. And I got to be, when he went to heaven, he was saved and on his way to heaven because Christ had come into his life. See, that's how you you change the world. Just one seed, and then it touches someone, and then it's a seed in their life. And everyone on our block found out about this because they all knew how crazy this guy was. And then one neighbor after another, we shared the Lord with. You build a bridge, God will bring a blessing. For just expect God to do great things. You do what you can do, and God does what he can do. You know, I'm just amazed. Sue just got back from the Philippines. Just so, so proud of her. Here she is, this young woman still traveling because she loves those kids so much. And I was just remember, she told me today that in this ministry, Hope Center, they have now served 6 million meals to children. (laughs) But I was there. I was there 22 years ago. And, And God just said, we saw these hungry kids. God said, just sow a seed. And it was just this church and it was just a little shack and and it had nothing, and, and there were all these kids, and they were hungry, and we just said, if we could help you have lunch, would you, would you serve kids food three times a week? Would you help them? Little did we know that God would so bless that, and it would multiply, and I don't know how God's provided the millions of dollars these 20 years, and, have, and now six million meals have been served. The power of a seed when it's sown by faith. And let me just say the most important one, the fifth one is just that we see people the way God sees them. I love this story because Simon, he comes up and he falls down and he says, I'm a sinful man. Now, you got to know how powerful this is. Do you realize who this is? This is the man who will preach to 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost. This is the man who will be the one on whom Jesus builds his church. This is the one who will change history, who will be part of the greatest thing that's ever happened on earth. And at this moment in his life, he's nothing but a sinful fisherman. And in one act of love, history changes. Now, what's interesting is Jesus doesn't preach him a sermon. You are so bitter. You are such a jerk. You are none of that's there. I think in the movie, The Chosen, I love how it shows that evidently Jesus, 
you know, knew Simon or Simon knew about Jesus and he had, Simon had a reputation. Jesus didn't say nothing. And now instead of shaming Simon, Jesus comes on his boat. First of all, that was the sign of such honor. I'm getting in your boat. You know, that would be like, you know, I was trying to think of that. would be like Carrie Underwood singing at your restaurant. <laughs> the greatest rabbi says, I'm going to be in your boat. It was like, yeah. And then he honors him. Then he gives him fish. And in that kindness, God overwhelms Simon's heart. And he repents of everything he's ever done. And he becomes a new man. Now here's where it all started. It started with how Jesus saw Simon. Jesus, the first time he saw Simon, you know, he said, your name isn't going to be Simon, you know. Your name's going to be Peter. You're a, a rock. You don't understand who you are yet. But I know who you are. This verse I thought was so important to building bridges, 2 Corinthians 5.16. 2 Corinthians 5.16 says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. You know, the reason so many times we fail to connect with people is, is, is the beam in our eye. It is... It is a way that we look at people. It is the pre-made judgments that you have, I have. Well, I don't even think we know that, that they're there, but, but because of our life, we tend to look at people and we say, oh, they're one of those. And, and we begin to put these labels and we, 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 we just naturally put these fleshly defenses up. Oh, I can't trust those guys. And oh, you know, and with something's on there. Oh, she's a drama king. Oh, that's a, you know, that's this guy over here. You know, he's white privilege. Oh, this person over here is ghetto. This person is this. And all of a sudden we start to have an attitude that blocks what God wants to do in someone through us. But when Jesus looks at a human being, you know what he sees? He sees them as someone that was worthy to die for. And every time Jesus saw someone, it was with this perfect love. It was this love that said, like in Psalms, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I love what that verse means. It says, fearfully, you are exceptional. You are incredible, wonderful. You are unique. Every person, he sees the image of God. He says, you are incredible, unique. You are amazing. You are so freaking special that I will die for you. You are a masterpiece. If we could see people the way Jesus sees them, I like what one brother said, if we could see the potential God's put in every human being, there's no one we wouldn't meet that we wouldn't ask for their autograph. <laughs> we would say, you are filled with worth and value. You are God's treasure. He loves you. And when we can see people like that, it changes everything about how we treat them. It brings love and value to their life. And when that happens, the last thing is I encourage you to do is we share the gospel. We share the story. You know, you've heard the statement, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. I like to say, preach the gospel at all times and whenever you can, use words too. Why? Because you can't be saved just by love. You have to be saved by love and truth. If you don't know the story, 
you can't have your life changed. And I just wanted to say this today. You're an ambassador. Be ready to tell the story. I just believe so much in my heart that if I have a chance to share the story and I don't, that is selfish. Can you imagine having the cure for cancer and not telling anybody? You have the greatest news. It can change someone's life. When that opportunity comes and, and you've built a relationship and, and, and they're open, then you say, can I just tell you something? I just tell you because it would be so selfish for me not to tell you. I just need to let you know what is the most important thing in my life. You see, God has changed me. I have, I have, I have been changed from the inside out because I discovered this great news that God came on a rescue mission for people like me and he died on a cross and he took away my sins and he, and he loved me and he made a way that I could receive him. And when he comes into your life, you become a new person. He does what no one else can do. And it's just so amazing to know this Jesus. And I would do anything for you to know, even if you don't believe right now, I need you to know he believes in you and he loves you and I just had to tell you that because it changed my life would you bow your heads with me in prayer just wanted to one say if anyone here doesn't know that I want you to know that you are so loved and if you don't have the assurance of the forgiveness of your sins if you have never met a Jesus in a way that you have a personal relationship, that he comes into your life and heart, oh, how I want you to know that. And I want to give you the opportunity right now. The Bible says if you will believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and if you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you'll say, Jesus, I want to be your follower. Everything will change. You will be saved. Your name will be written in the book of life. You will be reconciled to God for eternity. You will have His grace change you. He will carry burdens in your life for you. You won't have to do this life alone. And if there's anyone here right now, I would just love to have the opportunity to invite you to ask Jesus into your life. I'm going to say a simple prayer and invite you to pray it with me. And it's so important just that you are letting God know, God, I'm serious about this. Maybe you're coming back to God. You knew him at a time, but now you've, you've wandered away. I want to invite you to take a, a stand in the Lord right now, to put a stake in the ground and say, God, I'm coming to you. So if that's you, I'm not going to make you do anything up front or anything, but I am going to just ask you, would you just raise your hand so I can know that and pray for you? Say, today I want to receive Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for those hands. And I'd like to invite all of the church, if we could just stand right now and to pray this prayer together and really ask the Lord into our life. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. I believe, Jesus, that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came to earth, died on the cross for me, and rose again from the dead. 
Today I want to receive your invitation to come into my life. Forgive my sins and be the Lord of my life. I accept you, Jesus. I accept your forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for touching me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just give the Lord praise for those who received him? We're going to be up here, prayer teams and others who like prayer afterwards. We'd love to pray for you. Can I just bless you as you go? This is a prayer to pray that the Lord would anoint you to be an ambassador of Jesus this week. The Bible says the Spirit of the Lord is upon you to anoint you to bring good tidings. So I bless you in Jesus' name to build bridges this week, to sense the Holy Spirit and His grace upon you to go into someone's life and build a bridge that God walks across. Receive His favor to see people as Jesus sees them. Receive His favor to meet practical needs, to see people in the eyes of the Lord, to serve people, to listen to God and expect God to do great things as you share His love with people around you. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you. We'd love to pray for you. We'll be here. Have a beautiful week in the Lord. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that today's message has reignited your faith and inspired you in ways you might never have thought possible. We encourage you to visit our website at hftw.church and follow us on all social media. May God bless you and have a wonderful day.